Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I have one of my favorite humans on today to tell you about an amazing product that we both love. Why, thank you, honey. This is Milkman Mark Hyman here telling you about the Almond Cow, which I saw on those Instagram posts, and I thought, we've got to have one of these and see whether it is actually as good as it looks. And it is. It's actually even better because there are things that you can make out of it. Almond milk, oat milk. Cashew milk. Uh, coconut milk. Anything you want, you can make in this. And what's great is you have, there are fewer preservatives, less sugar, and then what you get left over at the end is this pulp that you can make into, can make cookies or muffins, so nothing goes to waste. And it's there any time. So if you run out of milk, you don't have to run to the store. It is so amazing. We love it, love it, love it. So if you want to get your own, check out the link and use code Lara for extra savings. Approved by the Milkman. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today I have a fascinating woman on here with me, Deborah Quilter. Uh, she is regarded as the pioneer in the field of repetitive strain injury, RSI. You might have heard me talk about repetitive strain injury on here, and you might have heard it from some other lit instructors or physical therapists, but most people are not talking about this enough. This is its own epidemic because repetitive strain injury is on the rise because of all the technology in our world. There's many technology-related injuries and illnesses that go under this umbrella of repetitive strain injury. You might have heard of carpal tunnel syndrome, and we talk about those today. She also gives you some really good advice on how you can set up your workstation to help prevent repetitive strain injury, and then some exercise to do if you already are feeling some of the symptoms. We agree on posture matters because your posture actually sets up your risk for repetitive strain injury or helps you prevent it. So tune in and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Deborah. Welcome, Deborah. So happy to have you on today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think you're going to be able to help so many people, but I'd love to launch into your background, how you got to where you are. That's an interesting question. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a, and I specialized in health. And so 
I did this story um, years ago on this performing arts clinic that was started by a doctor and he treated, you know, horn players and ballerinas and anybody in the performing arts. And his whole premise was let's keep the artists working. And it was a very specialized field. And of course, I love the, con you know, the convergence of my two favorite things, which are the performing arts and, you know, health. So I did this interview with him. And at one point I was sitting in and he was helping a pianist who had carpal tunnel syndrome. And he went through and he showed him how his technique was exacerbating this injury. And so it was really interesting to me, you know, this whole thing and, you know, seeing all these people and understanding the kinds of injuries that musicians get and how they could get them because they're doing repetitive work. And, you know, if you're a musician, it's not like you can take a break every 20 minutes because the repertory is going to go on for a while. Um, I think there was a joke that, you know, if God didn't want musicians to take a break, he wouldn't have invented the intermission. But yeah, yeah, anyway, there you go. <laughs> but the composers weren't exactly, um, you know, doing things in 20 minute increments, which seems to be the magic key most of the time. I'll get into that later. So anyway, I did this story with him. And at the time I was working pretty hard. And one night, late at night, my hands felt so heavy, I could hardly hold them to the keyboard. And shortly after that, I went to a wedding in London and, you know, they had those little um, handouts. I think it was Time Out London or something like that. And there was this two inch column in one of the pages. And it was about a woman who had such bad carpal tunnel syndrome that she couldn't lift her baby. And I read that and a chill went down me. I thought, something's wrong with me. I don't know what it is. And I think I should see a doctor, you know, something. I knew I didn't have carpal tunnel syndrome because I knew the symptoms and I didn't have them, but I knew something else was going on. That was unusual. Most people have symptoms and they don't go to a doctor until they're in screaming pain or they just can't use their hands. RSI is not always painful. Um, and I should probably define my terms here. Repetitive strain injury is an umbrella term that refers to many injuries from fingertip to shoulder blade. It's the entire upper extremity. So it could be your fingers, your thumb, your wrist, your uh, forearm, your elbow, your, your shoulder, and your neck. And a lot of people get problems in their mid-back too. So anyway, um, I made an appointment to see the doctor that I had interviewed and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm, I was actually kind of embarrassed because I said, you know, I, I don't have any symptoms now, but I just wanted to find out if, you know, what you thought in it, I, I'm here. And um, that was another really unusual thing because most people would, if they, their symptoms went away, they usually assume they're cured. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky on two counts. And then the third lucky count was that I chose the doctor that I did to guide me through this because he was one of the few people who was actually studying RSI and making the connection between how you use your hands and the injury. So he videotaped me at the computer. And well, first of all, he examined me and he did the most thorough examination I've ever seen, testing every single 
you know, the muscle strength of every digit and, you know, telling me that I'm hypermobile. This is not a usual range of motion for the, the thing. And all of these things matter. Um, hypermobility, um, the, the length of your arms, you know, whether you've got a, a carrying angle, which is a weird thing with your elbow. So all of these things paint a picture of a whole person and their risk for repetitive strain injury. And on top of that, there's another doctor who's brilliant in this area. There are 37 or 38 known variations on brachial plexus, which is the network of nerves that emanates from the neck through the um, upper extremity. So I was very lucky to have seen him. So anyway, after the examination, he took me to this other room and there was a video camera and a, a setup where you could adjust the desk that you typically worked at. And then he'd film your technique and show you, this is why you have elbow pain. It's because you're pointing your pinkies. And when he said that, I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is really amazing stuff because I think dancers know this, you know, you need to keep your knee over your toes if you're doing a grand plie so you don't have shearing forces on the knee joint and, you know, get into real trouble there. There's all these techniques that professional coaches will teach athletes, but nobody's doing anything for computer users. Which are, so, which are probably <laughs> many more of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, hundreds of thousands of people. And so once I saw what I was doing and straightened out my technique, the pain receded and I was in physical therapy and I just had this feeling in the gut. And I just thought, I have to write a book about this because nobody knows this. And everywhere I looked, because now I was really on top of things. I was seeing poor technique. I was seeing the injury happening in real time in real life. So I approached him and said, you know, there has to be a book about this. So I talked to my agent about it. And I said, you know, this is the big thing. It's going to happen to everybody. This is the leading occupational injury, blah, 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 blah. And she says, oh, Deborah. No one's going to buy a book about a disease that nobody's heard of. And I said, well, to myself, I said, all right, but I'm still writing this proposal. So sure enough, six months later, <laughs> my co-author appears on the front page of the Science Times in the New York Times. And I called my agent. I said, have you seen C section C3 this morning? She says, oh, my God. Someone's going to be, we've got to get ready. And I said, well, I have a proposal. So I sold the book and I, I was on fire to get this information out. And so I actually turned it in under deadline, which is pretty unheard of in the publishing industry. And it became the, what Amazon called the Bible of repetitive strain injury, because it really covered the whole waterfront in terms of you know, how you get the injury, what kinds of injuries you can get, how you get out of it, how, you know, and that sort of thing. And I thought everybody would be interested in prevention. I was so wrong. Oh, yeah. People are interested in prevention when they have a, a real disability. Mm -hmm. And the problem with RSI is that once you're injured, then you can't stop using your hands and usually you can't stop working. So the injury just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until finally people have to go out on disability. And the most common question I get in my world is, dear Ms. Quilter, what 
job can I do now that I can't use my hands? That's the second most common question. The first most common question is what doctor can I see? Because very few doctors are really skilled in this area. I can think of three who are competent to diagnose and treat repetitive strain injury. And um, physical therapists, on the other hand, are usually more on top of things, although not all of them are equally informed. Some of them are still giving wrist curls, which are like one of the worst things you can do. You don't take a weak area and further strain it by adding weight, Yeah, you know, no, just com know. compounding the damage. Right. So um, what I usually tell people is try to find a good physical therapist and they may know the right doctor. But the important thing is to get into treatment and stop doing the offending activity and you know, getting the appropriate exercise program, which does not mean handheld stuff. You have to change everything. So I teach, I design an exercise program specifically for repetitive strain injury to reduce strain on the upper extremity and use the proximal muscles, you know, strengthen the muscles. Because usually what happens is people are you know, they're, they're so de deconditioned that their back is really weak. So you have to strengthen the muscles of the back, improve the posture so that you can use the upper extremity properly. So that's kind of a long-winded way of saying how I got into this. Well, I'm really curious for people listening. Um, you obviously became interested because it was, you had a personal experience where it felt like you might be having some kind of repetitive strain injury, but what was your background that even not everybody that has this is going to be interested, but you have like a public health background as well, as well as writing. So was this the first time you had been exposed to this um, concept of repetitive strain injury? Absolutely. I had that's never. That's crazy. Even the, and so that's just to show you like you have a public health background and it's not even in the lexicon. This is the leading occupational injury. Yes. And the and I would hazard the industrialized world. There's not really good numbers on this, Laura, unfortunately. Right. It's just not, nobody really studies it because there's, I hate to say this, but there's no money in it. Right. Well, exactly. So, you know, it's, and, yeah, because it's interesting. I've done some little blogs on it and stuff. And when I've gone into it, they're always mentioning industrial workers. And I'm like, well, okay, it's both though. It's not just people who are like meatpacking or whatever. It's working at a computer, which is a majority of the, probably I would imagine. So can you, let's just talk about what are the signs that people might experience and more importantly, the prevention well, the the warning signs are very subtle in the beginning, in the the early stage of RSI when you can turn things around, if you're really lucky and even have heard of RSI and know what you're doing, there'll be things like just your hands, an awareness of them. Mm. If your body's working properly, you're not aware. It, it could be things like numbness, tingling, or a sense of um, unease. In, in any part of your upper extremity. And so those would be the beginning things, a reluctance to hold a subway pole, um, you know, switching from your dominant hand to your non-dominant hand when you're carrying something, refusing to not really wanting to shake hands because it could set off a flare. Um, and then you get into all these, there's, you know, you could have trouble buttoning buttons or putting on jewelry. You could have a tremor, which is really terrifying. 
Yeah. Uh, people get really scared when they're, they start getting tremors. Um, and it doesn't always have to be painful. You could just be incre increasingly clumsy. You drop something, pick it up, drop something, pick it up, drop the paper, pick it up, drop the mug, shatter it. I mean, I know people who have liners in their sinks because they're constantly breaking their glasses or they just forget about it and switch to paper. paper and plates. is that because the muscles are fatigued and they, they lose it, the dexterity? It could be, but it's also a sign that the nerves are damaged and you're not ah. getting the sensitivity in the nerve. So you don't Oof. really feel. And that can lead to grasping harder, which creates more strain. Mm. So you're holding on to things harder than you need to because you want to feel them or because you know you have a history of dropping things. So all of these things, and then when usually this is what gets people's attention is when they start having flaming pain. Or, you know, their hands are just so heavy, they can't lift them to the keyboard like I had, you know, um, all kinds of things and R can and start. Yeah. Going. So RSI is just a blanket, but carpal tunnel is one of one many form. forms of it. So that's like, so can you talk about some of the other, like carpal tunnel, I think is pretty well known. People know there's something around the wrist. There's this tunnel there, and it's causing numbness, tingling, pain. But like you were referencing, there's other things. I call this the eye, the eye. Decorvain's disease. Yes, yes. That's even I think sometimes more. I mean, it's certainly not as well known, but I think it's very common and it's very painful. And people lose the use of their thumb. And think about that. I mean, how do you pick something up or twist off a cap? I mean, twisting. Having yes. trouble twisting faucets and twisting doorknobs is another sign of RSI. Right. And so um, people can get decorvain's disease, trigger fingers, um, ulnar neuropathies, the, the elbow bones, mm -hmm. lateral and medial epicondylitis or tennis elbow, boulder's elbow. I mean, you hear a million kind of elbows. Golfer's elbow, yeah. All yeah. those, yeah. And then yep. um, shoulder problems from the mouse. So... I mean, there's this whole thing called mouse shoulder, and I refuse to use a mouse. I don't have a mouse. Wow. I will not. Yeah. I do not recommend them. Um, so it's all these different kinds of things. And then you get into the blood vessels, thoracic outlet syndrome, brachial, you know, um, cervical radiculopathy. And I don't mean to throw so many. Right. We can talk in yeah. plain English. You right. know, you, yeah. you, you have numbness and tingling and it's coming from the neck. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, Things and that are getting comes from yeah. the leading cause of RSI, which is forward head posture. Oh my gosh. I talk about this all the time. And when people say posture doesn't you. matter, I want to say, are you kidding me? kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because here's the thing, like you're pointing out, people don't think it matters until it, there's pain, but there's a many things that are happening before pain might occur. And that's in the low back, that's in the thoracic spine, that's in the cervical spine, that's in the shoulders. And when you say you're not stacking a joint in its most optimal position, where it is, there's space around it, there's maximum congruency between two of the bony surfaces, therefore it's not going to be slid forward and perhaps impinging or compressing tissue, nerves, blood supply. It, it's crazy how people, I, I don't, that just seems rational. Like if you had a building that was not properly constructed, it matters. It's not going to be able to sustain and endure different types of weather systems or um, forces placed upon it. That, that's like our, our musculoskeletal system is very similar in its construction. Yeah. Amen. I mean, <laughs> bone alignment is my, 
my <laughs> motto is if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, maintain good posture. Hey, yes. Because it's key for everything, for walking. I mean, people don't even understand the relationship between a foot problem and the the eventual neck problem. If yeah, you, can, you know, or absolutely. the hip. So absolutely. truly the bones and the articulation of the bones and the health of the, the, the structure surrounding the bones, the balance of the strength front and back, people are so fixated on ab strength and they really need, I mean, my anatomy teacher said, do three exercises on the back to every one you do on the front because everything we do is facing forward. That's where our teleceptors are that, you know, driving all these things. Um, yeah. But you use your hands for everything. I mean, it's not just computer users or factory workers who get carpal, uh, get repetitive strain injury. Sign language interpreters have a very high rate. Um, jewelers, sculptors. And it's so funny because I've had six psychotherapists come to me and people think, well, how can a psychotherapist get it? Well, they sit all day. Right. And that's so, what people aren't realizing. Like we're talking, you have the pain most likely or commonly more distal, like you were talking about, farther away. But the source of it, this again, if your posture is not good, not optimal, it's coming from that. And it, you know, because we have all this wiring that comes out of the spine and then out into the um, peripheral, the limbs and the peripheral joints, that is where you might feel it, but it is originating usually from the proximal. And exactly. even if you, yeah, if you look at the types of joints we have in our body, the ones that are supposed to move the most are the synovial ones, your shoulder, right? We want, we want, but to move, you have to have stability. It's a counter. So if you're not moving and you're stuck and you're rounded and you don't have strength, it's putting a lot of burden on those joints that come farther away from the body that are really made for fine-tuned manipulation. Amen. This is so true. And the other thing about posture is that it impedes the breath. I mm. mean, try taking a deep breath from here. You can't, you know, yes. you have to be upright in order for the lungs to expand. And um, it, it's just, I mean, the mothers of America were right. God bless them. Sit up straight, stand up straight, you know, and we know that yeah. straight is not exactly right. you know, right. the curve. Right. But, we know. Yes. But the uh, it's, it's just, so sad. I mean, I see these little kids with their forward head and their thumbs. I mean, if I can leave you with two things never to do, never text or use your thumb on your phone. And when you're using your phone, bend your elbow, bring it a little bit forward so that you're not compromising the posture of your neck. I mean, I see people like this. Oh, and yeah. I just want to go up to them. I mean, I know better than to go up to strangers and say, yeah. your posture is, you know, we need to, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. Um, but, you know, you should, if you're going to use your phone, this is another way that people get injured because the shape of the phone destroys the, the action of the hands. Opposition, I mean, it's yeah, very yeah. hard on that basal thumb joint. Yeah. So I have a whole, um, series of episodes on my YouTube channel about how to protect yourself from your phone. You know, there's little stands you can use. And um, I mean, I don't hold my phone if I can avoid it or yes. I hold it in a, in a, you know, <laughs> I keep changing the way I hold it. She has uh, a little thing for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the little pop socket yeah. thing. 
a little thing uh, on the back. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's yeah. let's go into some of the things people can think about. So positioning at the desk, like if you're, say, there's many people who work uh, from home or work at an office, what are some tips that they should um, think about? Well, don't, I can tell people what not to do. First. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you can see this. Um, we have YouTube, but this is, this is going to okay, be audio, so but yes, where the, can people the, reference that? The character is sitting in what's called 90, 90, 90 sitting. They say, mm -hmm. sit with your knees at the same level of your hips and bend your elbows so that your wrists are at the same level as your elbows. That will give you an injury. Just the act of bending the elbow and pronating the hand, turning the palms down, puts an enormous strain on the ulnar nerve. Mm, Just okay. doing that. So right. think about that. That's the position of typing. Yes. It's just the worst thing. The anatomic position, which is, um, how do we describe this? You're standing up and your, your palms are facing your, your thighs. Right, right. So that when you're walking, the hands are swinging and the shoulder is moving a little bit and everybody's really happy. All the nerves and tendons and all those things are really happy. When you start twisting them around corners, then you start getting into these situations where you're fraying the soft tissues, which are notoriously hard to heal. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know this as a physical therapist. It's not easy when you get somebody with a soft tissue injury, broken bones, much more I always say that it's better, it's better to break a bone. Better to break than a strain bone. A ligament because there's, yeah, it's, it's much more, it, yeah. And Plaster you know, comes like in, coats it, and then you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the, the figure in so this So don't sit is, at 90, 90, 90, which no, is like- No, what you yeah. want to do is, for, you start with the chair, and then you have your hips higher than your knees. So let's see, I have a picture in my book that I can show you. Um, so it might be like people would get, yes. So great. here are the hips higher than the knees, mm -hmm. and her elbow is sloped down because the keyboard also needs to be not flat, but sloped away from you so that it's in the same plane as your knees. Mm. That puts a little less stress on the elbow. Just that little bit will help reduce strain a little bit, which matters. Then you want a keyboard that actually tents so that instead of being completely flat and pronated, you can get a little bit out of pronation and use your hands in a more more like playing an accordion than playing the piano. Do you have a keyboard that you recommend, like a yes. model? Yeah, okay. I absolutely do, and I can. Um, I'm go going to be doing a, um, a dedicated video about this. Okay, and yeah. I'll send you the link, and I can also send you the buying information. It's mm -hmm. an excellent key keyboard. Just don't use the palm rest. Don't okay. rest your wrists on anything. Use, you know, you need to strengthen the back muscles. Um, Keep the shoulder blades close to the ribs in the back and open the front of the chest. And from there, you just bend your elbows a little bit. The keyboard should be below your fingers. Mm -hmm. Do not rest your wrists on anything. That can lead to nerve compression. It also leads to very bad um, technique. And you see all of those people that buy these. Yeah, you see the people that buy those things that lift it. And I'm always like, why are they doing that? It absolutely looks terrible. 
it, it's it's the worst thing you can do. And also some people start wearing splints and then they're fighting the splint and the splint leads to lack of fluid return and atrophy of the muscles. And it's just a nightmare. Then other people rest their elbows on the armrest. And these ergonomists are just supporting everything. They've got the neck supported. They've got the back supported. You need to sit on your own bones. Sit on your sitting bones and push down, push up through the top of your head. Do not lean into a backrest. Mm. This is tough news for most Americans. Very They're used tough. to collapsing in a chair. I also have an excellent chair that I recommend, um, which it, 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 the top of it moves so you can do a complete pelvic circle or pelvic tilt um, while you are sitting and you need to keep moving, making these micro movements in order to stay on the chair because if you don't, you know, lose your balance and fall off. And so it's not for everybody, but it's better meta metabolically because you're you're moving all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's one, you know, it's some people aren't willing to put in the the learning curve to learn how to strengthen their own muscles so that, that they can sit. But this will this chair will actually build core strength because you have to use those muscles in order to sit on it. I think it's I did a review stable. on that chair because I, and they said, what do you think? And I said, this sounds amazing because it's putting a little bit of demand on the core stability and that's going to keep you from being static yeah. and stagnant and yeah, getting into these kind of slouchy positions that again, create that imbalance in your posture and your, um, you know, the, where you rest your bones and all of those things. And, and what do you, yeah. yeah, what else do you tell people in terms of working? Like you said this, the 20 minute intermission to begin with, is there a time period after which people need to get up and move and do something that you found I in would your have work? I move every 20 minutes, um, take mm -hmm. a break. And I know that sounds extreme, but we're talking about the human body and it's not just your body. It's also, you know, if you talk to the ophthalmologist, how, how often should I take a break from my eyes? Every 15 minutes or so. Go oh, yeah. to the window, look as far away as you can so you're not Charlie horsing your eyes. And I mean, the position of the monitor matters because some people will put it off to the side. I mean, one of my tax people had his monitor off to the side. So he was looking this way and looking that way, and he had horrible neck pain. So he goes to the doctor. The doctor gives him non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. All he had to do was move the monitor, the, the monitor in I front know. of him. Yes, yes. So, you know, uh, the kind of treatments that people are offered are also really risky. And I mean, I know so many people who got carpal tunnel syndrome, they got carpal tunnel releases and they didn't even have carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm. They might've had decorvain's disease or something, but the doctor said, well, what else could we do? Well, make, doing an un unnecessary surgery on a body part and cutting the, you know, at that point they were cutting the flexor retinaculum. You know, it's not like you can use your hands the way you used to before the surgery. I know a lot of people who were very unhappy. Um, yeah. And sometimes you need the surgery. I'm not saying you don't. Right, because if right. It's so right. far if gone, you, you need it, you need it. But why do surgery if there's no carpal tunnel syndrome? Right. There's I so mean, much it, preventative it just, work we can do yeah. before we go there. Yeah. Absolutely. So I say, you know, take a break. I've got a little, cute little timer and it goes off and um, because it's so easy to get engrossed. Mm. And, you know, there's so many ways that you, you just forget about time. So I get up. 
Um, also, I think getting up and marching in place, um, I plan the breaks, you know, like if the phone rings, um, I keep the phone away from me. So I have to get up out of my chair. Mm. It forces yep. me to get up out of my chair in order to answer the phone. And I'm a pacer. Um, when I'm on a call or doing an interview or something, I like to walk. Yes. So that's a really good thing that you can do, or even marching in place in your chair. Yes. Anything you can do to keep the whole body moving is helpful. But sitting all day is, you know, the, it's deadly, really. I mean, it's the all-cause mortality. Everybody saw that study that they did on the dangers of sitting. It's It's like smoking. So the thing of it is we need to find better ways to work. And what I do recommend, truly, if people are really serious about this, if you're using a computer, get Dragon, Dictate. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's so much better. And then you can even use your phone. There's a little um, mic on the phone. You can dictate notes, email them to yourself, and then just dump them into a document, cut and paste. You've saved yourself all that typing. You just have to be careful of the words that you didn't mean to say appearing in the <laughs> I have a I, this is disclaimer. How I, yes, this, this is how I write all my um, articles. And for me, I'm just lucky because I never took typing. So yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, I got I was in show choir and it was like that was like an that was a, a elective typing was an elective. But if you were in show choir, we had to use our elective time. And so I never did typing. So I'm just a hunt and peck. I'm pretty fast at it, but I'm so much faster at dictating. So I fortunately when I'm writing an article or writing anything most of it is that I dictate it and well, it is good for yeah. you but hunt and peckers are the best they they have naturally <laughs> safer technique than I, touch typists oh that's good to know I feel great because every yeah. time every, every once in a while I'm Lava. like gosh I see these people like and I'm like oh my gosh I'm never gonna be that fast but yeah yeah I think it I is I teach people when I'm doing ergonomic consultations I look at people I do what what I was taught at the mm -hmm. um, Miller Institute I videotape people so that they can see what I'm seeing. Mm. And I, I show them what ulnar deviation is. I show them what, um, and I basically pinpoint why they have the pain in the elbow from what they're doing in their hands. So I can look at someone's technique and set up, I help them set up their computer better and, you know, give them all the, my favorite ergonomic. Um, by the way, I don't have any financial interest in the ergonomic right. products that I recommend. Sometimes I can get people a discount, but I don't, um, I'm not selling the equipment. Right. To them. No, that means you've really investigated the ones and, and are promoting the ones that have worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm curious as a yoga uh, instructor as well, is there anything that you think in particular, even if people don't practice yoga, what are like a few moves or positions that are really great for this whole like shoulder, neck, forearm, wrist area? Oh, well, what I recommend is if you're going to do cat or table pose, do it on mm -hmm. your forearms with the thumbs up. So you don't, you're not on your wrist. Um, some people do the martial arts position. That's tricky because it can also irritate. If it doesn't, it's okay for you. Um, avoid down dog and anything that's placing um, pressure on your hands. Now, in terms of what's really healing, Restorative yoga is the best kept secret in yoga. So if you get a prop and you're doing Supta Baddha Konasana, so you're you're lying on a bolster, you're lying on the bolster with your arms somewhere comfortable. Sometimes people need to support their arms with a pillow because they're so tight. 
So you want to go to the point where they're not feeling any stretch and they can really relax and then they start loosening up. So for everybody listening, that's like lying down and maybe something's under your knees if you can't open up your hips, but you're essentially just trying to like go the opposite way of how you are at, at, at at your desk. So open up the chest, the arms are out. Imagine like a snow angel, how the arms are stretched and, and you can do it yeah. there. With, you could have your elbows bent, like you're saying something underneath it that's too much of a pull, but you're getting across that yeah. the chest wall where the, um, the, the brachial plexus and people can experience thoracic outlet. It's just opening up that space there to feel uh, hopefully better. Yeah. And, you know, a twist is also really nice if people, people have a lot of shoulder problems. So if people have shoulder problems, put the fingertips on the shoulder and make the circle with the elbow. Mm-hmm. And that will remove the pain that you might experience if you were doing a full arm circle. Yeah. But I usually do arm circles into a sliding open into a twist. And if a twist isn't possible, on the floor, people can go against a bolster and rest their arm. They're still getting something of a twist, something of the opening. And little by little by little by little, the the fully blossomed twist can occur as long as you don't push it. And that's not a good idea. Now, the one exercise that you and I both probably love and recommend are wall angels. I was going to say, or getting on the wall and doing that or the door stretch, like door stretch gentle, just like just trying to get some of the opening, but the wall angels is, are going to get yeah. the, you know, like, the upper back. Mm-hmm. I like the wall angel a lot for strengthening yes. um, the back. The door stretch can be a little rough uh, if people are really injured. And what I tell people, if it's, if it's, if there's don't pain, even you think don't about do it. Pain. No, if it's uncomfortable, no. yes. do something that isn't uncomfortable, that yes. gets, there's always another way. Yeah. And so I think for people that that's uncomfortable, just actually doing one arm at a time where they're really just backward, yeah. they have to usually free this up and both arms is just too much of a pull. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that I really love is um, legs up the wall mm. and have your arms out a little bit below. That's really very effective. Mm. It's not as strong as being on the bolster um but it's really effective. Plus you get the relaxation. Get the weight, yes. The re- and then so, the weight down into the pelvis so that you can get more of that chest yeah. stretch too. Oh, it's so and lovely. I'm feeling yeah. like, uh, I love restorative. I mean, it was created by a physical therapist with the things in mind that you are trying to uh, tap into that, you know, and I'm sure we could go into a whole tangent about how stress is impacting uh, the, par- the parasympathetic or the sympathetic nervous system is impacting the different types of, um, you know, repetitive strain injuries aren't going to be improved if you're in a stress state for sure. That's right. That's right. So calming, um, also breathing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have people, um, I do legs on the couch or legs on a chair and I have them take a a bean bag and put it on their belly Mm -hmm. so that the breath goes there. Yeah, without can... you having to tell people about diaphragmatic breathing, yeah. which is sometimes tricky. Yeah, and I that, love it. Anything you know, put on a little eye pillow, some nice music, take a nice nap. <laughs> yes. Well, where can people find out more about you? And I know you tell them about your book and your YouTube, because I know that many people listening um, can relate to the the potential fear about this happening if they haven't had it already, because we are doing something 
in this repetitive way, and many people can't not do it because it is their work. Yes, um, if people want to find me, the best place is um, on YouTube at Deborah Quilter. My channel name is Repetitive Strain Injury, but it might take you to other channels that um, don't have, they're not my channel. So at Deborah Quilter on YouTube, we'll get you there. Um, I also have a website, but the real place that you want to go is the YouTube channel because that's got updated information. Um, my book is called, the first one was Repetitive Strain Injury, A Computer User's Guide. It's uh, People still get it from Amazon. And then this book, The Repetitive Strain Injury Recovery Book, uh. is the book that I wrote after my first book because I was wondering what was happening to all these injured people. And it was then that I realized just how serious this is. And I was worried about, you know, what happens to all these people? You know, what are they doing? Are they finding ways to work without straining their hands? And um, the only thing that I would caution people about with this book is that I have updated my ergonomic advice. Mm -hmm. um, it took this doctor to finally give me the courage to go after my instinct, was, which was, why are people leaning against a backrest? It just never made sense to me, you know, as a dancer and a yoga teacher and fitness professional, you know, why would you collapse? Why are you not letting your muscles and bones, you know, go through your bones? And this doctor really explained it to me. He said, you know, you want to sit on a relatively firm surface because when your sitting bones sense that surface, they're shooting up um, the information to your brain. And this is why sitting on a big ball is not a good idea. Because first of all, you don't get the feedback from your sitting bones. And secondly, your feet are too far forward. So you're not really grounded the way you would be in a in a seat that didn't have that, that stuff. The other thing is they can explode. And if they do, and you could have a bad fall on your head. So oh, <laughs> you know, oh wow. I would not <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a it's a hazard. So I do not recommend a lot of people think, oh, I'm fine. I'm sitting sitting on a Swiss ball is fine if you're in a gym mm -hmm. and it's a good ball and it, you know, you replace them every year and it's properly, you know. Yeah. And you've got good balance use. and everything. Yeah. There's great exercises. I love them for, you know, doing ab work. Yeah. They're great, but not for sitting at your desk. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I think it's really important that, you know, it's just like a good mattress. Like if you, you we need to invest in these things and it is like, don't be cheap in this manner. If you can afford something, then you're you are at your desk a lot. You you need to buy the right equipment. It is just like buying the right equipment of any other kind of machine. It's a lot cheaper than a hundred thousand dollars in physical therapy and surgeries mm -hmm. and lost yeah. work time and not having a job. Yes, and exactly. I, I it is you know it's just we have to keep reminding people that we don't want to live in fear, but there, we have the gold of preventative care right here. And let's pay attention now instead of waiting until, you know, something happens and wish, wish. And it's, it's really hard to leverage that, the, the power of that, because you're right, insurance companies certainly aren't, medical system isn't talking about um, the importance of preventative care, and it's so important. It really is. And unfortunately, most people's jobs require 
some sort of repetitive hand use, whether it's at the computer or, you know, I, I mean, I see these UPS people carrying their tablets, which are heavy, and then, you know, they're using all this stuff. And once you've injured your hands, then you're really in trouble because you, you keep getting worse because you keep trying to keep up with the job. And um, it really gets tricky because it's occupational for so mm -hmm. many people. Yes. So I want to thank you for helping me spread the word because it's there should be some sort of public service announcement the way they have for, you know, talking to your kids about alcohol or yeah. many other diseases. You know, they they say you, you should know about this. Here's the website. And um, you know, I'm yeah, trying to do that. Repetitive strain channel. injury, how to avoid it. It's like, let's like, let's talk about this uh, because it's it is in our daily life for all for many people. You know, some people maybe not, but uh, if you're using a if you're using an iPhone, if you're using a laptop or a computer in any way, if you're answering the phone all the time, there's there's a lot of different ways that this can happen, and and therefore we can, with the proper knowledge and your wonderful ergonomic guidelines, we can we can avoid that. So, everybody, make sure that you check out Deborah. Deborah's website and more importantly, the YouTube page because you have like actual videos to help. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a joy. And for everybody listening, I hope this helped you. You can always feel free to write me with any questions. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.